how are we? Good. Happy Mother's Day. Today is the day that we honor our mothers, and uh, it's a very special day. Uh, but really, today is a celebration not just of moms, but of women in general. Because the only difference between a single woman and a, and a mother is that one has children, the other doesn't. You know, I think about the book of Genesis and how God created mankind, and he started off with the dude. And after he was done with the guy, he looks back and is like, something ain't right here. And so he's like, I know, I'm going to make the better half. I'm going to make woman. And God creates woman. And when Adam sees her, he's just like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, right? And so now God sees mankind fit to reproduce now that women are in the picture. And so Mother's Day is really a celebration of femininity and of women because God has put in every woman what the opposite side desperately needs. And so we, we just thank God for all of the ladies in our lives. But uh, today especially, we are looking at the mothers and the job that they do to raise the next generation. And the really, the, the truth of it is, is moms wouldn't have the honor of motherhood if it weren't for all the little crumb snatchers running around all over everywhere. You know, that, that's just really what it boils down to. And uh, if God's taught me anything about parenting, uh, as trying as children can be and as stressful as parenting is, Having children is one of the greatest gifts in all the world. Amen. It's one of the greatest gifts. They are gifts that God uses to teach you more about himself, about his love for us, and, and kind of his relationship with his children, but also a gift that he uses to teach you more about yourself and what you really are and, and what you need to improve on and the things about your life that in areas you need to grow. And so I don't know who in this room or in this world can honestly say they have it all together when it comes to parenting. I think if you say that, that proves you don't have it all together uh, because uh, this is, it's a challenging thing. I mean, I pray daily, oh God, don't let me screw my kids up. Don't let the baggage, the mistakes that I've made play out in their lives and cause them problems because much of parenting is simply just doing your very best in whatever situation you find yourself in. I call it winging it with style. That's basically parenting in a nutshell. It's just doing your very best in that moment. And uh, we're in Matthew, and we're still in our series, Matthew, uh, Confessions of a Sinner. We're in Matthew chapter 19. And this is, I believe, the providence, providence of God. As we looked a couple weeks ago, as Jesus kind of describes God's will and plan for marriage and human relationships, and, and that God's design, the reason why he made both male and female, two separate and unique genders, is so that they would come together in that marriage covenant, and they would produce offspring. But not just godly, or not just offspring, but they would produce godly offspring. There's a purpose to why he instituted the covenant of marriage. And here we get to see, right after his talk on marriage, some parents trying to bring their kids to Jesus because they were trying to honor God in the purpose for which they were created. Why they entered that marriage covenant was to not only have children, but produce children that would love God with all that they are and live for his honor and glory. And so we're in Matthew chapter 19. Now, it's more common than not that mom even though dads are ordained by God to be the spiritual leader of their home, to be the pastors of their home, I don't believe that this culture in the time of Christ was much different than our culture in many ways because it's usually mom pushing dad out the door. 
when it comes to being involved in spiritual things. Many, it's very rare that the father these days is the one with spiritual leadership over their homes. And so I can see in this passage as these parents are bringing their kids to Jesus, even though this is a male, chauvinistic, dominated culture, it was probably mom that heard about Jesus being in town. It was probably mom that said, hey, we need to get our kids to Jesus. Take the family out. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Much like how it's mom in this culture in these days who says to dad, hey, we need to take the family to church. I could see this play out in this dynamic. See, many fathers take a back seat to the responsibility that God has ordained in their homes, leaving moms to overcompensate and fill the spiritual gap where their husbands lack. And this is why Mother's Day is so special, specifically in the church, because if it weren't for many moms and many women in our lives, many of us would not be here today. I know I would not be standing on the stage if it weren't for a godly woman pushing me to be more than what I was to be better than what I was, to live out the calling that she knew God had on my life. It wouldn't have been for my wife, Tony to, to instill in me the faith and confidence that I could follow God and follow his calling that I would be here. It wasn't for my own mother who prayed from a very early age that her children would live and grow to honor God and, and that we would you know, give God our hearts. If it wasn't for these women, I probably wouldn't be here today. And this is the story for many of us growing up. Here in Matthew 19, we see these parents bring their kids to Jesus because as any parent believes, we believe that if our kids at least have Jesus in their lives, that's why we bring kids to church, that's why we have children's ministry, we believe if they at least have Jesus, they'll have what they need to successfully navigate this life, that hopefully as they put their faith and trust in Jesus, they'll turn out okay and they'll grow up to honor God with their lives. And I believe the parents in this passage are no different. They bring their, these kids to Jesus. They're, they're trying desperately to get Jesus to bless their children. And then something happens. There's a little situation that goes down. And Jesus said some, says something most peculiar. In verse 13 of chapter 19 of Matthew, here's what the word of the Lord records. It says, one day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him because as adults, we kind of feel like children can be a nuisance sometimes. Oh, don't bother me with that kid stuff. Jesus, adults, we all have more important things to do. This is what was happening in this moment. And Jesus saw kind of what his disciples were doing, kind of pushing these kids away. And verse 14, it says, Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. Don't get in their way. Don't put anything in front of them that would prevent them from coming to me. And here's what he says that just kind of has shaken me and kind of just kind of baffled me for some time. He says, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. Heaven belongs to people who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. Before he left. That verse has always kind of puzzled me. What in the world does Jesus mean? You know, recently in the, uh, the news, we've heard a story about, uh, you know, different uh, gender identity issues. And one in particular, this 40, 50-year-old man believes he's really a six-year-old girl. And so he's living his life as this six-year-old girl, and I'm not going to make light of his issues or, or pretend to know what he's going through, but this is not what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying revert back to acting 
like a child, to live your life as a little child. But he's saying something on the realm of uh, the spiritual uh, reality. The kingdom belongs to those who are like these children. And so these past week, this past week, I started asking God, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? And so I think I'm now at a place in my life where I can look at my own kids and begin to see what God was getting at, what Jesus was getting at when he was talking about being like these children. And so I started asking myself this question, looking at my own kids, what is the difference between children spiritually, emotionally, and adults? And the first thing that I came to a conclusion of this week is that kids are fearless and free-spirited. If you just think about the way kids are naturally, uh, when, you know, if you think of music, we love music. Everyone has their own taste of music. Everyone kind of has their own idea about what good music is. Some people like the, you know, the R&B, the rap. Some people like country. I don't know why, but it's there. Uh, you know, we, we all have different tastes about what kind of music we like. Someone once said that music is the sound the soul makes, that it actually connects with us on a deep level. And you don't have to teach people to like music. We like music from a very young age. If you think of a small child, uh, even at the age where they're barely able to stand and they're holding on stuff, the minute they hear a good beat, they start what? They start dropping it like it's hot, right? They can start doing the baby twerk. You know, this is what they do. They break it down, right? You don't have to teach kids to like music. And it's just something that they're in, that it resonates in their soul. Uh, but if you think about adults, yeah, we like music. But when the beat drops, we don't just start dropping it like it's hot. We start looking around to see who's watching. Right? right? You know, you've heard that phrase, dance like nobody's around. Uh-uh, that's good to say, but we don't do that as adults. We look to see who's around, but kids aren't like that. They hear the music, and they just start going. They, they, they're just free-spirited. They don't really have any inhibitions in a lot of ways. Uh, kids are also fearless. I can remember a time when I was little that I used to, like, Superman was my favorite superhero growing up. Uh, and so the, the new Batman Superman movie brought me back to my childhood. I was really excited about that. But when I was younger, I liked Superman so much that my mom decided to hand sew me a Superman cape. I mean, this, this was awesome. I mean, yellow S on the back and everything, right? So she made this for me for like a birthday, and I would wear that, and I would do all sorts of stuff. I'd jump off the couch. I'd jump off out of trees. I'd ride my bike as fast as I could and go off ramps just so that thing was flapping in the wind behind me because I literally thought that if I tried hard enough, I might just fly like Superman. And some of you, you know, you can think back whether it was Peter Pan or who have you. We all have those moments where we really believed as children that if we believed hard enough, we tried hard enough, we could do the impossible. You know, because there's this fearlessness, there's this free-spiritedness in children. Uh, Pablo Picasso, in 1976, in a Time Magazine article, he said this. He said, every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist when he grows up. And so if you think about just children and the wonder, the awe, the all-inspiring nature of their spirits, and then you think about what happens as we get older, something begins to shift. Something begins to change. And so I started asking that question, well, what happens when we get older? How does this happen? How do we kind of lose that free-spiritedness and fearlessness that we had when we were children? And I started thinking that, well, the older you get, 
the more pain you begin to experience. The more mature your relationships become, the more you begin to understand the reality behind many of your experiences. You start to see why people look at you a certain way and start to understand why you're treated a certain way. And you start to kind of see the more negative side of life as opposed to a rosy colored side that most children experience. And so as adults, we become fearful, not fearless. I mean, think about children. When they enter a room, they assume everyone is their friend, that everyone loves them, that everyone wants to play with them. But when an adult walks into a room, we wonder who will like me enough to be my friend. Will I be accepted? Will I be included? We are afraid of being judged and wondering if everyone around us is thinking negatively around us. Because as adults, over time, we just kind of fill our lives with this toxic fear and worry that affects our confidence. It affects our outlook on life. It affects our desire to take risks. And ultimately, it affects our faith. And so you start wondering, well, why do we have so much fear? You know, if we believe in a God who created the earth, who died for us on a cross, who is giving us eternal life and a blessed life, what is it that we have to fear? Paul said that if God is for us, who can be against us? So what is it that makes us so afraid? And I started looking, and I looked up, and it's been about 100 years ago now that the first radio transmission ever occurred. A little over 100 years ago, the radio was invented. Since then... We've seen the invention of television, of computers, smartphones, smart watches, smart glasses, lots of smart stuff that makes us actually dumber. And, uh, but it's just what we've seen, the invention of all these things that we get addicted to. I, I remember in high school, I didn't have a cell phone. That was before cell phones were really popular. Pagers were kind of the rage when I was in high school. But even now, it's hard to imagine a time without all of that technology just at our fingertips. I can't even dream about what life was like before that. Back when, before you could get your news, you had to wait till the Sunday paper or your monthly periodical. I, I can't think back to the time where you actually had to go to a library and read a book in order to find out some stuff. You know, now you just go on the internet, ask Google a question, and you have everything right there uh, at the palm of your hand. And I can, I can assume that Back then, before all this technology, life was probably a little slower paced. It probably wasn't so uh, just in your face all of the time. But now, we have, from the moment we wake up, we are inundated with information. So much information. Everything from the drama in the world to all the drama in our own lives and in our sphere of influence. And as we look around the world, as we look at politics, as we look at weather disasters, as we look at the wars, as we look at uh, all the things in our culture, and we look at all the different issues that are in our lives, whether people are dealing with loss or grief or pain or abuse, we look around the world and in our lives, and all we really see is chaos. All we really see is negativity. From the moment we wake up, the moment the news comes on or Facebook gets turned on, we mentally stream messages that speak fear into our lives. I think about an old uh, show I used to watch uh, when I was younger called The Space Family Robinsons. Anybody ever watch that show? Remember that, right? This is a family goes into space, crash lands on a planet. And uh, remember they had this robot 
And the robot was famous for kind of freaking out whenever uh, something bad was about to happen. Remember what he used to say? Danger, 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 right? That's all he would say. Danger, Will Robinson, danger. Right? This is kind of what happens from the moment we wake up. From the moment we turn on Facebook, from the moment we turn on the news, we turn on the TV, we are sent these messages of danger, danger, danger. Like the boogeyman could come out at any moment to get you. The, the earthquakes in California are getting ready to blow. The volcanoes in Japan are getting ready to kill everybody. You know, you have all this stuff. God forbid that political candidate get elected president of the United States. Right? We, we have all these discussions about all of... The, these negative things, things that bring fear and danger into our lives. So for the moment we wake up, we're filled with these messages of fear, leaving us nothing to do but worry about our lives and those we care about. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, the word of the Lord records this. It says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. God's love for you, his blessings for you, are new each and every day. Think about that. You can have a fresh encounter with the creator of the universe, with his presence and his love and his mercy every single day from the moment you wake up. You can have this amazing new encounter with God. You can know his peace, his love, his joy, his mercy afresh and new each and every day. This is our relationship with God that's available to us every day. But because we're inundated with all these messages of fear, what ends up happening is that we are so busy worrying about the day that we fail to enjoy the day. We spend so much time worrying about our day, we fail to experience the life that God has given us, that, has, that he's leading us into each and every day because of all of this fear that we wrestle with as adults. And so we spend more time trying to manage what we're worrying about rather than just obeying God and trusting him to work it out. This past week, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who was facing a, a job opportunity. He has a great job now, but uh, this new job was opening up. He felt like God was leading him to, and, and so he asked me to pray that he would have the wisdom to know what decision to make. And so that kind of caught me off guard because I was like, well, you feel like God's leading you to that. Well, let me ask you a few questions. I asked him, is it better pay? He's like, yeah. Is it better hours? Yeah. Better benefits? Yeah. And you feel God's leading you to the job? Yeah. So what's the problem? You know, well, why do you got to pray about that? And, and he's like, well, there's a chance that a year from now, depending on how the organization goes, that I could lose my position. And I'm like, so? Is God's name not Jehovah Jireh, which means the God who provides? Right? Is God not promised that he will take care of your every need if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you? He will take care of everything. Your God will supply your need if you're putting him first and following his will for your life. Of course he will. So what's the problem? 
But he, the fear was there preventing him to follow what he knew God wanted him to do. And we wrestle with this fear all the time. Like when we have a health issue and we're facing a surgery and we're not sure if we should go with it or not. And we, we feel like that maybe that's something we should do, but we're not unsure. And I just have to remind you, is God not the great physician? God can heal you before the surgery. He can also heal you after the surgery. God has got you in the palm of his hand. What do we have to fear? You know, in our politics, well, what if this candidate is elected? What if that candidate is elected? That'll be the end of our country as we know it. Scripture says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. So who are we to fear? Who actually gets in office? We are to be responsible with who, what we do before God and just trust that everything will be okay. See, this fear is driving us, especially as adults, because even now we come to church to be challenged to change our ways, to find out what God wants for us so that we can live a life that's more for his honor and for his glory. And so we come to be challenged to change our ways. When God says, no, if you would just live by faith, when you come together, you'll be encouraged to keep up the good work. Have to come to be challenged to change. I've changed you when I sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins and sent the Holy Spirit into your heart, making you a new creation. You're already changed. You stop living in fear and you'll see a difference in your life. The difference between kids and adults is that kids are fearless and free spirited, and adults are filled with fear. And I think the reason why kids are able to be fearless and free spirited, the second thing I noticed this week is that kids have an unshakable trust. It's unshakable. When they find a trustworthy source, there is no reason to doubt that source. That's not even an idea that pops in their mind. They get their confidence and their view of the world from those that they trust. And parents are usually that source of trust or close family members or that source of trust. You know, I don't know uh, how you celebrate holidays in your house, but if you can think about this concept, whenever the holidays or special occasions roll around that also include a special character or person, you know, like Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, you know, kids to a certain age don't even doubt the validity of those, you know, people. If you, if you were to really explain it, you really believe a six-foot-tall Easter Bunny comes in your house and and plants eggs, and, and so, I mean, that's kind of a scary thought. You know, a big, jolly old man breaks down in your chimney and puts presents on your tree. I mean, that, you know, really, that, that could be a scary thought. But kids, they, they just believe, and they get excited about that. And, uh, and so as parents, we, we can influence them and, and kind of carry on that magic and that awe and inspiring wonder during the holidays, uh, which, you know, is one of the reasons why Facebook is actually... A problem, at least for me during the holidays, because if you're hyping up the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus on Christmas and one of your friends has multiple households that they go to to celebrate and they post all these pictures about Santa Claus coming early and then you have to explain to your kids why Santa Claus doesn't like you as much as he likes everybody else, you know, that, you know, that, that becomes a challenge to keep the magic alive, you know, and so... And if you're a family that does that, I thank you in advance for all those problems around the holidays. But, uh, but no, it's just, you know, the, the kids just believe these things. A uh, uh, couple weeks ago, this past week, London lost a tooth. Uh, our youngest daughter, London, she lost a tooth. And we do the tooth fairy at our house. So it's just common practice that, you know, when they lose a tooth, mommy and daddy go with the, you know, the child, put the tooth under there and say, okay, make sure you look 
for your money the next day because the tooth fairy will come and take your tooth. It's just something that we've done. It's just, it just is. It's just, just a thing. So they don't even question it. They just believe when I lose a tooth, tooth fairy's coming. So, you know, we uh, knew she lost her tooth. We set it aside. But, you know, Tony and I just kind of forgot about it the rest of the day. And, uh, and we didn't, you know, put the tooth under the pillow with her like normal. So we didn't, didn't think about that. But this is just what is. This is just a reality in her life. And so she took it upon herself to put the tooth under her pillow herself. And uh, the next morning, she woke up, and the tooth was still there, and she was just devastated. And so we just kind of looked at each other, and we're like, man, that tooth fairy sucks, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> we're like, man, what a rotten tooth fairy. That, we, we better call the management and see what's going on. And, and so we made sure to go to toothfairy.com and send a complaint, and uh, you better believe that tooth fairy was there the next day. So... Uh, you know, we got it straightened out. But this just isn't a thing. They just believe. They are able to believe because the information is coming from a trustworthy source. And so when kids believe, there is no reason to doubt. And uh, Asher, uh, I love him. He's our daredevil. He's risked death I don't know how many times. But one of the games that Asher and I like to play is he likes to climb up the steps and then jump off the steps and have me catch him. And he normally climbs up to about the third step. In our house, we have two sets of stairs. There's like a landing in between. And he'll climb up to the third step, and he'll jump off, and I'll catch him. And after we did that three or four times, I was like, hey, man, why don't you go up to the top? You don't ever go to the top. Go to the top step and jump from there. And so he's like, okay, and he's feeling all confident. So he goes up to the sixth step, which is the top step, and all of a sudden, he didn't look so confident. He was looking a little nervous, like he was a little outside of his comfort zone, that he was being stretched a little bit. And uh, so I said, you ready to jump? And he's like, yeah, but I didn't really believe him because of the expression on his face. So we counted down, three, two, one, like normal, and on one, he jumped, and I caught him. And I was like, hey, I mean, that was awesome. Great jump, buddy. And I was like, were you scared up there? He's like, yeah, I was scared. And I said, why did you jump? And this is so simple, but for me in this moment, it was so profound. He said, because I knew you'd catch me. I jumped because I knew you'd catch me. He knew his daddy was big enough and strong enough and faithful enough to catch him. His daddy wasn't going to let him fall. His daddy was going to do everything to keep him from getting hurt. So even though he was nervous in what his daddy was asking him to do, even though it was taking him outside of his comfort zone, even though it wasn't what he was used to doing, he could still make the leap because daddy would not let him fall. One of the biggest things I've taken away from this passage and one of the reasons why Jesus said to be like the child as though who heaven is reserved for is because when a child Trust, a trustworthy source. It doesn't matter what the task is being asked of them. They can leap with no fear because they believe the one's word who is asking them to take the leap. And as it pertains to us as adults, we have a God in heaven who is big enough, who is strong enough, and who is faithful enough to catch us when we take the leap, when we follow what he's asked us to do. 
when we get outside of our comfort zone and we might be a little nervous, it might be a little strange, it might not be what we planned or what we've prepared for, but our God is a mighty God who will catch us when we take the leap. We can trust him because his mercies are new every day. His faithful love is new every day. His blessings are new every day. And if God is for us, nothing can be against us in this life. We can have that faith like a child and should have that faith like a child because we know God is a trustworthy source. His love never fails. We can trust and obey him without a doubt or worry in our hearts about how things are going to shake out because God's intentions for us are good. He knows the plans he has for us. They are good and not disaster. They are to give us a future and a hope. Jesus said, I've come to lead you to an abundant life, a life overflowing. He's not going to let us down. Isaiah 40, 30 through 31, the prophet says, even youths will become weak and tired. Young men will fail in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They'll soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Why? Because God is great enough, he is big enough, and he's faithful enough to catch us when we fall, to pick us up and keep us headed towards that victory promised through Christ Jesus. But the reason why so many people end up missing the mark why they don't get into heaven, even though they, they want to love God, is because they end up in a religion rather than a relationship with Jesus. Religion helps you manage your worries and your fears. It makes you feel safe and in control. Well, I made this mistake. Okay, well, let me pray this five times, and that will absolve that mistake. Oh, I didn't do this right? Okay, let me go to church and involve myself in this ministry, and that will make up for what I did. Religion makes you manage or helps you manage your worries and fears. But see, a relationship with God, it's not a third-step faith. It's a top-step faith. God is going to take us outside of where we're comfortable, outside of where we feel secure, and Jesus is going to lead us into that abundant life. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you want to be my disciple, you have to give up your own way. You have to give up your control. You have to let go of the management of your life. You need to take up your cross and follow me. Unless you are like a child, will you trust me? Where I'm in control, you trust me to lead your life, not only are you going to miss out on heaven, but you're going to miss out on the blessings I've prepared for you in this life. See, the children in the story, they got blessed by Jesus now in this life. They didn't have to wait to get to heaven to receive the blessing. They were blessed by Jesus now in this life. And this is the tension of where we live, church. We live in this tension about who is going to be Lord of our lives. Who are we going to let rule our lives? Are we going to rule our lives? Are we going to try to control? Are we going to try to manage? Or are we going to let Jesus be Lord 
and Savior? Are we going to try to force the Bible to agree with how we want to live? Are we going to force our lives to be in agreement with what the Bible says we're going to live? Are we going to follow his wisdom and his will for our lives? Are we going to try to live according to our will and our wisdom and our desires? This is the tension that we live in. This is what brings fear because honestly, if I have to decide or control my life, I know myself well enough to know I'm not going to do it well. And there's reasons to fear. But if Jesus is in control, if God is in control, there is no reason to fear. Why? Because perfect love casts out all fear. And when you know God and he loves you and you know his love for you, there's no reason to be afraid. The core concept of this message is just a simple statement. It's, it's our grown-up selves. It's our grown-up selves that get in the way of our inner child getting blessed by Jesus. This inner faith that God wants to raise up out of us, for us to live out of, to bring blessing into our lives. It's our grown-up selves filled with worry and struggle and fear that repress what God wants to bring out in our lives. I don't know where you are in life today, what struggles that you're going through, what you brought in the door with you, what baggage you've been carrying today. But what I do know is that you have a heavenly father who is able to bring good out of bad, who's able to bring light out of darkness, healing out of pain. God is able to do wonders in your life. His arms are strong enough to carry you through your situation because he has everlasting arms. All you have to do is place your trust in him and follow what he wants for your life. Trust him enough to obey what he says and believe that he will work out your situation according to his good plan and purposes for your life. Our key verse today is found in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. If you want to know God's will for your life, you know what? You want to know his plan? You want to know what path you should take? It begins with trusting him with all your heart. The journey begins. This life of faith with spiritual journey, we call it this relationship with God, a spiritual journey. This journey begins not when you climb the steps. It begins when you take the leap to say, I'm all in with Jesus Christ. When you decide once and for all that he is going to be Lord. And today can be that day where you experience his love and his grace, his mercy in a new and a fresh way. Today can be the day that you have a radical encounter with Jesus Christ, but it takes you finally letting go of your worries and fears and placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Whatever your situation is, whatever decisions you're facing today, maybe it's a decision with your job, maybe it's a decision in your family, maybe it's a decision with your health, maybe it's a decision with a person you're dating or, or whatever the case may be, whatever decisions you're facing today, I challenge you to trust him. Get in his word and find out what his will is for your life. Don't stay on the steps where it's comfortable, but let that childlike faith rise up and take the leap. Several years ago, I was and really involved in the music scene. And I would write songs, worship songs, and our band would play them. And uh, it's kind of funny that, you know, this comes full circle today because really it was my mother that was kind of the catalyst for this song. 
When I was young and I was afraid, whether it was at night or in the dark, she would quote me a verse from Psalms that her mom used to quote to her. And it's simple. It just says, what time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. It's very simple. But it reminds us that even when we're afraid, even when we're struggling, we have a God who's faithful that we can trust. And so as I begin to, you know, play with different bands and perform, that reverberated in my mind. And one day I just put pen to paper and I wrote this song and my kids call it the scared song. Because every time that they get afraid, they ask me to sing this song with them. And it, it's simple. It just says, the time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. You have my best intentions, even though I cannot see. The time I am afraid, I will trust in thee because you have won the battle before I fight the enemy. It's a declaration of faith to God. And then the chorus is a prayer. It says, make me walk by faith and not with my eyes. Take the sin I hide, wash all of my pride. God, make me walk by faith. Give me grace and your light. May I hide in your shadow. Give me wings to fly. You see, our faith is not a faith where we stay on the steps. Our faith is a faith where we take the leap, where we say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to place my life in your hands. Jesus, you are Lord and Savior. And I don't know where you are today, but today I know there are people here today that need to make that prayer, that need to pray that prayer to say, God, my life is in your hands. God, I'm going to trust you with this decision. God, I'm going to trust you with what I'm dealing with today. I don't have the wisdom or strength to do this on my own, so I'm placing my life into your hands. And today, we're going to bow, and we're going to pray. And when the band begins to sing, I'm going to invite you to come down to the front of the stairs here, to this first row of seats as an altar before the Lord, and to pray that prayer and say, God, I'm trusting you with my life. Maybe you're here today. And you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You like the idea of God, but you've never made this faith thing personal. I'm going to invite you to pray and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. To meet me down here at the front and say, Joey, I need to begin a relationship with God. I need to begin a relationship. And today, I want to go all in with Jesus. So in this moment, let's bow our heads for prayer. And when the, begin the band begins to sing, you stand to your feet and come down and respond to the Lord. Father in heaven, we just pray before you, God. We understand that the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children, God. So let our childlike faith rise up in our hearts. God, give us that unshakable trust to know your word is true, that your heart and your hands are faithful, God, that we can follow you wherever we lead. God, we place our life in your hands today, and we praise you for the blessings that you give and have prepared for us in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together as the band plays. You respond. If you need to begin a relationship with Christ, meet me down here, and I would love to have the honor to pray with you. If there are other needs that you have prayer, need prayer for, come on down, and we'll have a time of prayer today, and now is the time to respond before the Lord.